1: All right, John is up next. Good morning, John.
2: Good morning, Bob. How are you doing?
1: Oh, it's just going to be a nice day, a little chillier day. I've got on one extra layer today, but as uh, one of our our managers who grew up in Wisconsin says, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad wardrobe.
2: Well, that could be true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm sitting out here in a taxi and I'm just listening to you, but, um, uh, if somebody did happen to have their tree trend like that and they didn't paint everything, wouldn't it probably be a good idea to, um, make some cornmeal, uh, tea or something and spread that around the ground up?
1: Oh, I think if you're in any area that, uh, has potentially has an oak wilt problem, I think that would be a very good idea. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if, if, and, and I had a problem, uh, we had years ago, we had, a. um, County engineer up in the hill country and by the way we've got have had great engineers the past couple of years but they came out and uh pruned some limbs on my tree and you know i found it like three days later and what i did is i went back and i took those limbs and i cut them back about three more inches and then i painted those wounds and if you did that immediately afterward that would be something else that you might be able to do but uh yeah, and and whether you know whether you've had pruning issues or not, if you're in a neighborhood that has oak wilt in it, man, I'd be doing the corn water treatment a couple of times a year just on a preventive basis. But you're absolutely right.
2: Uh, another question I have: I live in an apartment and it's got a deck, and it only gets full sun probably four or five hours a day,
1: morning or afternoon. <laughs>
2: Um, morning and afternoon, right out by the edge. Okay,
1: so it's, so it's middle of the day. Okay, yeah.
2: yeah. Anyhow, uh, you know these little uh, children's swimming pools they have out in the yards and stuff like that? Right. If you took one of those and uh, uh, you'd have to drill a bunch of holes in it, put a bunch of soil in there, and then uh, maybe put some kind of cloth across the bottom first before you put the soil in, what could you grow in there, like maybe radishes or uh lettuce? Or oh you
1: can grow you can grow almost anything you want, John you could grow uh peppers, you could grow uh um some of your more compact tomatoes, you could grow bush beans uh, this time of year you could be growing lettuces or radishes, or spinach, or beets, or carrots, or turnips, or broccoli, or cauliflower, or, you know, there are a lot of things you could be planted out there. Let me give you one other alternative to, you know, using a little waiting pool for that. They are making some of these fabric pots now that last for several years, but they make a a fabric pot that's about six feet across, and uh, that's what I grow sweet potatoes in. So if you want something that will hold up better, the only problem with those little waiting pools is you know sit out in the sun very much that plastic gets brittle and um, so but if uh, I, I like the idea of growing in a small you know confined raised bed, but uh, if you don't want to use the waiting pool, you can probably find a s- smart pot is the most commonly sold brand but uh, yeah you can you can fill them with soil and have a little patio garden without any problem there.
2: You'd have to have a bunch of holes, though, because if you didn't drain the water, if it couldn't drain out, you'd get, uh, it would really get bad water real
1: quick. Oh, yeah. It? Yeah, it would cause problem. And you'd want to drill some holes in the side as well as the bottom just to improve the aeration. Uh, I'm, you know, a lot of people, I mean, the nurseries, virtually all the plants they grow these days are in plastic pots. But uh, let me tell you what, something that keeps more oxygen in the soil will grow a better plant and uh, plastic's convenient, but it's it's certainly not the best container for a plant.
3: Okay.
2: Now, how about the – I don't know if it's the largest size terracotta pot, but they're pretty big. Um, they would only be good for, like, maybe one plant, right, like a pepper plant or a tomato plant or something like that?
1: No, oh, if you're – I mean, you can get big terracotta pots. and uh,
2: These are like uh, about these are about 16 inches or something like that. Yeah, you
1: know? I'd, I would put uh, – peppers, I'd probably put three to a pot. Tomatoes, if it were a compact uh, determinate variety, I'd probably put three in the pot. If it was uh, a big indeterminate, yeah, one or two would be plenty. But no, a, a pot that size will accommodate three of eggplant or pepper or some of your shorter-statured tomatoes. Uh, would, wouldn't be any problem at all.
2: The um, And then just the regular garden soil, potting soil, you know,
1: any soil that's rich and drains well. I don't like peat moss-based soils. I like no. core, C-O-I, or core-based soils, or compost-based soils. But, yeah, soil, it doesn't have to be any special soil to grow good vegetables.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to do some this this year, I think, so
1: we'll see. Well, <laughs> you call anytime we can help or advise, and uh, you well, have a happy new thing,
2: year. One other thing, Bob, the um, – I have a half whiskey barrel with a liner that I put goldfish in because I have one lily pod, lily plant in there
1: Uh-huh.
2: that I got from down to Water Garden Gems. And um, so I always put, I start out with a dozen of uh, feeder goldfish and it always winds up with only three of them survive. Okay, But then you have to drain the water every so often and I just take that water out of the bucket. I put it on the plants and it seems to work pretty good.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's excellent water. Uh, for watering plants and if it has little fish uh, excrement in it all the better uh yeah I, I that's an that's an ideal source of water just remember that uh and you know it would be a great thing to do just periodically use whatever you could to dip water out of that uh bucket and replace you know that water use that to water your plants just remember that um, the water, you know, and I don't, I don't know exactly what saws is using in your area, but uh, just to be on the safe side, I'd have a little bottle of those uh, dechlorinating drops that you get at any uh, pet store, and uh, yeah, I got yeah, I, you know, if I were, if I were doing that and I wanted the best, I'd, I'd be dipping out of your uh, your miniature lily pond and using that to water the other plants and just replacing that water with uh, either water that you've treated with that or if you put a you know a bucket underneath your downspouts on your uh, gutters and just collect rainwater and just use that to keep putting back in your little mini lily pond uh, that's the best of all worlds
2: yeah okay great thank you
1: hey my pleasure good to talk to you john happy new year and we'll talk again all right phone lines are all full right this second so wait a minute before you dial we're going to talk to sid and bill and clint and joyce and sid's up first good morning sid Good
4: morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Can, I, uh, can you tell me the difference between corn gluten meal and whole-ground corn meal?
1: Absolutely. Corn gluten meal is what is left over of the corn after they take the corn syrup out of it. Uh, it is a very high-protein product. It does not does not have the uh, benefits as far as... Um, disease control, it does have benefits because it can be used as a good fertilizer. Uh, in dry weather, it will serve as a natural pre-emergent herbicide. But uh, it's much more expensive. uh it used to be reasonably priced, and they started selling most all of it to China where they put it in cattle feed and things. But that's your corn gluten meal. Whole ground corn is just taking that kernel of corn and grinding it up and uh, other than, you know, it's obvious uses and making good dressing and things like that in the kitchen. Uh, that's what grows this beneficial fungus called trichoderma that will take care of everything from athlete's foot and toenail fungus to a brown patch in the grass and oak wilt in the trees. That makes sense.
4: Perfect. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, and one, one other question. I have six Japanese boxwoods uh, in a row, uh, one on the end. Is fading on me. It just looks like it's dying slowly, and I've been trying to figure out if it's overwatered or underwatered. If that could be the problem. Uh, the soil, uh, I check it periodically, and it's always uh, uh, cool, but it's never a loblolly. It's never sure. never uh, wet. Uh, can you think of? I think what
1: it that probably. I think probably needs more water. Now, once Japanese boxwood gets well established. Uh, it's pretty much bulletproof. I water mine once or twice a year. But, you know, that first two or three years it's in the ground, it's got to be watered regularly. The fact that it's on the end of the line really, really raises the chances that it is a water issue, and it's far more likely to be too little rather than too much. At this point, I'd probably use a little Super Thrive or, you know, Garrett Juice or something like that because you've obviously had some damage to the root system. And uh, uh, just remember, there's no such thing as too much water. There's too often, but there's no yeah. such thing as too much water. So when you water it, really flood it. And I don't know why it is, but the, the one on the end of the row always seems to be the one that misses out.
4: Okay, perfect. Perfect. I thank you very much. Have a
1: great New Year. You do the same, Sid. It's good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bill's turn. Good morning, Bill.
3: Hey, how you doing, Bob? It's Uh, windy up here. I'm looking out the second floor window at two oak trees, and they're just flapping around. Oh, (laughs) yeah.
1: There's there's a bit of wind chill going on out there this morning. You better better have more than one layer on if you're going to be out wandering around. It's not a bad day, but it is a a chilly, windy day.
3: The only thing I'm planning on doing is I uh, use my rotator uh, uh, black and decker thing just to kind of loosen up the top two inches of soil where I'm going to put my onions. Okay, and it it has weeds in it and some uh, <laughs> Bermuda grass coming through. I was planning on spraying it down this afternoon or or sometime today if I get out there and to kill the weeds and once the New little Bermuda grass coming up. How long after I spray it do I have to wait before I can actually plant the onions? Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Once it's dry, is totally harmless. I'll tell you on Bermuda and things. I think you're wasting your time because in this kind of cold weather, Bermuda's not going to grow. And if you want to try to dig some of it out, you certainly can. But uh, it's not going to compete with the onions at this time of the year. And uh, if I were going to be loosening the soil up, I wouldn't waste my time in spraying. I'd just do my soil loosening and plant. And then if anything does sprout up, just pull it out. I I think it's really a a waste of time to spray uh, when you're getting ready to till it a little bit anyway. So uh, I'd just get that step step, uh, and just get on to your onion planting.
3: Okay, that's, that's, uh, that solves that, although if I did do some spraying, if the wind died down a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, I could get a big piece of cardboard or two-by-four, sure. and I was going to spray the whole backyard. Well, has,
1: that's not a bad idea at all, but uh, where are you going to plant your onions? I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think it's more important to get the onions in the ground in the near future. Uh, okay. All right, thank you, Bob. You're that's welcome, it. Bill. Thank you so much, and Happy New Year. Okay, now going from lines full to having a couple of lines available to you. So give me a call, 210-599-5555. It's going to be Clint and Joyce, and Clint's
4: next. Good morning, Clint. Hi, Clint. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I was wondering what is your recipe for that spray kind of? For the antifreeze type action for the leaves at this time of
1: year, that's the uh, the liquid seaweed, and you you're not gonna. It doesn't give overnight results. It it's something you really should have started a couple of months ago because what it's doing is building up. Yeah, it's building up the sugar content in the leaves, which is what has that antifreeze effect. Certainly not going to hurt anything, and it will benefit your plant in other ways but uh, to, you know, spray it when we're real close to uh, severe weather is not going to give you a lot of cold protection. It will make your plants healthier. It will do a lot of good things for them, but you're not going to get much uh, much freeze protection waiting this late in the season to start. And
4: that's about two months out when I should have been doing that?
1: Yes, sir, eight to ten weeks. Okay. And
4: what is the actual? recipe, so i have that next year. Uh, two two, seaweed, two, tables,
1: two tablespoons of seaweed. Now, I add about a tablespoon of molasses, but I don't think that's absolutely necessary, but I just think it does some other good things. But for cold protection, two tablespoons liquid seaweed per gallon of water and spray everything that you can.
4: Gallon of water. Two, two tablespoons per gallon? Yes, sir. So that's pretty
1: strong stuff. Um, yeah. Okay but it's good stuff, and it's not expensive.
4: Now, that, look at seaweed. I guess it's all one and the same. There's no one made by these chemical pump companies i got to worry about.
1: Well, you don't have anything to worry about. The best seaweeds are the ones that come from uh, cold oceans as opposed to warm oceans. But any seaweed's good. But if you go out and look for a brand, MaxiCrop, M-A-X-I-C-R-O-P, that's one that uh, is very good. The one that Medina packages is very good. These are the cold-water kelps, which have the maximum benefit, but uh, um, I think uh, Neptune's Harvest is another one where they use cold-water kelp, and uh, that's a good one as well.
4: And, uh, and I also goofed up this year and forgot to start the cedar tea, and I'm paying for it now, but how <laughs> long ago should I have started
1: that? October couple of months, yeah, a couple of months.
4: Yes. Okay. And that daily amount, or, uh, once you make the tea, was that one tablespoon, one teaspoon, how often?
1: Well, you, you uh, use a cup of the leaves from the cedar, needles, whatever you want to call them, to a quart of water uh, that you, you boil the water and then steep your leaves in that, and then use that as your concentrate, and you use about half a teaspoon of that to uh, – a cup or two of water uh, to take on a daily basis.
4: Just once a day?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I have known people that, that added a little bit of uh, things with a little al- alcoholic content to it because they said it made it even better. I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but it probably tastes a little better.
4: It makes it palatable, I guess. That's
1: some bio <laughs> stuff. There you go.
4: Well, it works.
1: All right, Glenn. Hey, right, I, appreciate I appreciate the call. The Happy New Year to you.
4: Afternoon. Take
1: care. Thanks. Bye. All right. Back to gardening, and Joyce is up. Good morning, Joyce.
5: Good morning, Bob. I forgot a
1: question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you got back through.
5: Oh, yeah, I did. But I have to tell you, when you all started talking about okra, I am an okra lover in all of its forms, pickled, cooked, fried, whatever. But I have to thank you when you mentioned some years ago that you could eat it raw. It never crossed my mind to eat it raw until I've tried it. And, oh, goodness, I think that is the best when you can get young, fresh, can't use the store i mean i don't use the store-bought because i don't right. know what, you know what but if you've got a good source oh my gosh oh yeah and well, it's okra is great
1: it is I, I don't like the clemson spineless for raw because it does it it's a little tougher but yeah your emerald green pod some of those are wonderful and uh we're planning a big uh, a big pot of gumbo for New Year's Eve. Oh, you said that <laughs> <laughs> I I love okra in its many forms. I had an aunt many years ago that was real smart when I was a little kid and she knew she better not serve me anything slimy, so she started me eating fried okra and yeah. then it's when I figured out how good it was and you know, I got into that, you know, good old gooey stewed with tomatoes and peppers and onions and oh, I'm absolutely. like you. I I haven't found a form of okra that I really don't like. So uh, yeah, there are lots of different things, and I'll tell you something. My friend, uh, my friends over at 410 Diner taught me a long time ago. If you're when you're cooking onion or cooking okra, especially if you're putting little onion and tomato and things with it, I it was actually with there's Dina Rasool taught me a long time ago. Squeezed a little bit of lime juice on it. It totally well it changes the flavor i think it improves it uh, they they do a curried okra dish uh, over there and it's good to begin with but man you squeeze the juice of a lime wedge over that and um you give that a try i think you'll i think you'll find still another way to enjoy your okra
5: Oh I'm sure I will because I don't even mind the slimy kind but I found <laughs> out that when you slice it and fry it you don't have to use all that batter oh, no. and stuff. Oh
1: no. No you it, really it's don't. Not slimy. And we uh we also use it as a uh, a backpacking snacky you can put it in the dehydrator and dry it. And, uh, of course, you want to put it in a, a bag that you can seal up so it doesn't absorb moisture and get a little more chewy. But it, you you have it crisp, and it's, it's like it's better than potato chips or pretzels or anything else. It's a nice, crunchy, wonderful, low-cal, high-quality snack. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, here we are in the middle of the winter when we can't be growing okra, but we're just kind of daydreaming about all the different good things we can do with it when we do have it.
5: Well, I've seen the dried stuff in the store, but I've never bought it because it wasn't organic. And, again, I don't eat anything raw that's not organic. Sure. But anyway, I was going to ask, though, so what is a good kind to use? You said emerald what?
1: Uh, there's one called, um, I think it's called green pod
5: okay. or
1: emerald pod. or um, Okay. Just any of the, of the longer, thinner ones yeah. um, uh, are the ones that... Uh, You know, and I think emerald is the variety that I've grown for several years that I like really well.
5: Well, I'm sure looking forward to summer and trying that. But my question, better get to my question. <laughs> okay. On, on the kumquat, when I talked about that it had one branch that was coming out three inches above the graft, mm-hmm. that thing is growing really strong and really fast. It's about 15 inches. How far can I cut that back to help it branch? Six inches or three you, or four? What would you cut?
1: You it? cut it back to the point you would like for it to branch. Okay. And always cut, if you can, cut just a short distance above an existing leaf, because yes. that's where you've got that little, it's called an axillary bud, that's right down there at the base of the petiole on the leaf, and that way it'll start regrowing, uh, you know, very, very strongly.
5: Okay, so about five or six inches wouldn't be too uh, too short.
1: Not I'd at all. Concerned.
5: Okay. Okay. Well I don't want I know you've got other folks waiting until the end of the show. Thank you, Bob. Thank you very much.
1: You're sure welcome. Thank you, Bye-bye. Joyce. Bye. All right. Actually Martha's the only person I have waiting and we have time for three or four more calls, so uh give me a call, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five while I say good morning Martha. Hi Martha. Yes. Good morning. Hello. Hello, I can hear you. It sounds like your phone's cutting in and out on you a little bit. Hello? Martha, um, we've got a bad connection there. So. Hello? Okay, Hello? I can hear you a little better now. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, my favorite way to eat ro- uh, okra raw are the red ones.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think if you close your eyes, I have trouble telling which is red and which is green, but they're they're sure pretty. Cooked up and um, yeah, they they're excellent as a raw snack. They certainly are. All right, let's get back and uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, that was her last uh, last break of the show, wasn't it, Don? And um, and we'll just. Uh, Create another one? Okay, well let's see if we can get these phone calls through. If not, you owe me two fishing songs next time. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's try Martha once again, see if that phone straightened up a little bit. Uh Martha, have got a better connection here?
0: I hope so. <laughs> yeah, sounds a lot better. Um uh, I need to ask you before the phone goes crazy again. Uh, edible flowers. Yes. I have a list. Okay. Mexican marigold mint.
1: Ah, uh, yes indeed.
0: Pansies?
1: Yes, indeed. As long as, you know, be careful where you get them because so many of the growers do spray them, but pansies and Johnny Jump Ups, yes, are both edible.
0: Okay. How about African violets?
1: I doubt it. I don't know for a fact, but I doubt if African violets would be good. They're just an ariad, and uh, I I doubt if they're toxic, but I don't think they taste very good.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, stock.
1: Stock is uh I think it's more toughness and texture, but it no, it's not usually okay. used
0: <laughs> okay uh Elysium
1: um same thing i um I think True. it's probably okay,
4: okay. yeah <laughs> okay. the
1: the other commonly thing nasturtiums are very commonly grown. Um that's another one that uh that are very frequently used and i'll tell you one thing, and my friend who sadly is no longer with the Cynthia pedragon that uh she gave a lecture one time, and she said, If you want to do something different, she was talking about decorating cakes and things like that, mm-hmm. she throws it in and just pulses her blender just for an instant uh and then makes like a confetti. Uh, and of course, it's it's something you would do right before serving, but uh, that's just another mm-hmm. another fun use for edible flowers.
0: Great. What about the kufia or the bat wing one? Mm, I, yeah, that's
1: what, I either,
0: yeah, I didn't eat or yeah.
1: I don't think I'd be eating that one.
0: Okay, and dianthus. Um,
1: dianthus, really so far, as, yeah. So far as I know, yeah. dianthus is fine.
0: Okay. Good. I can't find my book.
1: <laughs> what <do you> know? <laughs> well, very good, and you have a happy new year, and uh we will talk again. Let's see here. Let's see, in order it's gonna be Diane and Katie and and or Kathy and Alan. Anyway, Diane is up first. Good morning, Diane.
0: Good morning, Bob. Good morning. We have a huge uh fruitless pear in the front yard.
1: Okay, ornamental pear, yeah.
0: And when it dropped all of its leaves this year we noticed that on two different branches we had a huge clump of mistletoe growing mm-hmm. is that bad
1: well it tells you that that tree is in some stress mistletoe in and of itself no it's not real bad for the tree it's uh it makes its own nutrients and its own green leaves it's steals a little salt and water you know from the plant but When you start seeing mistletoe, you want to look for why the tree is stressed. It could be soil compaction. Frequently, it is uh, from being buried too deeply. When you look at the base of that uh, ornamental pear, you should see a big flare of roots going out. If it looks more like a fence post stuck in the ground, you need to start digging the soil away from the trunk, expose that root flare Uh, Our friend Howard Garrett has done this a great deal, and he says that usually within a year after that, the mistletoe totally disappears. But it's not anything, the mistletoe itself is not anything to panic over, but it's telling you there may be other problems you need to check out.
0: Okay, so uh, I hate to say, our our tree is 12 years old. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but it does look like, uh, when they planted it, it Mm -hmm. does look like a fence post in the ground. I don't see roots you know, above the ground.
1: Well, somebody needs to get out there and start digging down until you find that root, what we call the root flare. You may dig through a little fine few, you know, very fine thin roots, just cut those out of the way, but you get that soil pulled back away from the trunk of the tree and uh, your tree will start getting better immediately.
0: Okay, so we start like at the trunk, and how far
1: out? Just enough to keep air circulating around the trunk. Uh,
0: okay. It may
1: be an inch down. The worst I know of was a pecan tree. My friends at Editor Tree Care uh, uncovered over on Larkwood Drive, and I think they had to go down six feet to find the root flare. But hopefully, yours won't be buried that deep. If yours was buried that deeply, I don't think it would have done well for 12 years. But you will extend the life of the tree and the health of the tree by getting that root flare exposed.
0: Okay, and how far out do we go?
1: Uh, Just enough to keep it from filling right back in. The only thing I would say, minimum of six inches. If you want to go further than that, that's just up to you.
0: Okay, thanks so much, Bob. Happy New Year.
1: And Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you, Dan. Bye. All right, let's see. I think that's uh, Kay right there. Good morning, Kay.
0: Yes, Bob. I have news for you. Uh, my sweet peas are about six inches tall. Uh huh. They're in a uh, two containers on the patio. Now, will they freeze? I uh, I think we're going to have maybe. The f- forthcoming night's uh, light freeze up here in georgetown yeah
1: light freeze won't bother them if it's going to get below about 28 i would probably protect them but uh down to that point they should be just fine once they really get up and going they'll go down to 20 degrees without any damage but these are still fairly young plants light freeze i wouldn't worry about
0: okay thanks so much
1: well you're certainly welcome thank you
0: happy new year bye. and
1: to you as well all right uh then uh let's talk to alan good morning alan good morning hey morning sir uh,
6: i've got a uh meyers lemon in a greenhouse okay that ha- is full of blooms with limes is it like messed up or just doing what it does
1: well here's what happened Uh, Myers lemon and, you know, many other citrus bloom most heavily after what they perceive as a dormant season. Uh, In nature, they are responding to shorter days. They're responding to cooler temperatures. The other thing, the thing that really kind of messed them up this year was that really dry weather we had all the way up until about September and just from the drought they went into sort of a semi dormancy and then all of a sudden it rains like mad in September and October and they say, Oh, it must be spring. Maybe we ought to think about making some buds and flowering. So um your tree is a little off schedule, but it's not messed up. And the two things that you're gonna have to think about is being inside, you're not gonna get a lot of insect pollinators in there. So uh Um, you probably may have to actually get out and hand pollinate. Just take a little paintbrush and just start dusting around on the inside of the flowers. But, uh, those trees can set fruit. Uh, the fruit will grow and develop normally, and you'll probably have, you know, good citrus earlier than anybody else on the block. But it's just that it, Mother Nature did something unusual this year for us to be so dried followed by so wet and uh in the case of your lemons and and limes and things like that that's not a bad thing in the case of many things like asiatic jasmine and many shrubs uh they came and put on a burst of new growth which then froze back because it didn't have time to harden off but i guess that's a little bit of a long answer to a short question but uh your trees are just responding to sort of an unusual weather situation but as long as the flowers get pollinated they will still set fruit normally develop normally and uh you'll have some good citrus fruit earlier than anybody else does
6: wow well it's um it was outside during all the rain you uh-huh. know we're yeah. outside and then you know we had that cold spell coming so i put it in the greenhouse and all of a sudden i see it's just full of white <laughs> blooms and then well actually the limes started coming out first there was a few limes and then and then it started blooming more.
1: Well, your so, your Mexican lime can bloom any time of year. In good situations, your Mexican lime would, uh, would be flowering and producing fruit pretty much year-round. Your lemons, on the other hand, generally just do it once a year, but they just got an early start. i probably leave them in that greenhouse, especially this week, because we're going to get pretty chilly. And uh, like I say, the only... The only negative here is that it's without bees and other things inside the greenhouse, you won't get as good pollination unless you uh, get out there with a little paintbrush, or maybe if you've got any kids or grandkids in the family, give them something to do and get them out there pollinating those flowers so that you'll have uh, good lemon-lime production uh, earlier this year.
6: Well, how do you pollinate them? What are you doing? Just take a brush and... and, Yeah.
1: All you're doing is transferring the male part of the flower, the yellow pollen that you see, to what is called the pistil, which is the uh, central part of the flower. The top of it is called the stigmatic surface, and that's what the bee is doing. It's just carrying the pollen and putting it in a place where... It forms something called a pollen tube that grows down through there, and that's what starts your fruit yeah. growing. I could give you a much more technical <laughs> explanation, but I would bore you to death and take up unnecessary time. All
6: right. Got gotcha. you. Well, thank you very much. Have a nice day.
1: It is my pleasure, and you have a happy new year as well.